0: The Monday edition of Smith and Jones Eric Smith Paul Jones with you and we roll into the new week just a few weeks shy of Christmas the holiday season among us and the Toronto Raptors on the winning track Jonesy back to back victories now two straight at home the defense seems to be turning around certainly over the last few ball games including the loss to the Memphis Grizzlies but now victories over the Bucks and Wizards as the Raptors eye the Oklahoma City Thunder on Wednesday, their next game. But what a performance last night turned in overall by the Raps. 102-90, the victory over the Wizards, and a fine, fine performance from Pascal Siakam.
1: Well, you know, Eric, it's interesting you say that the, uh, you know, you you highlight the defense. I think the defense has been pretty good the last little while. Uh, I, I think the big thing was they're, they're starting to make shots. I mean, it was it was the shot-making that, that kind of did it for me, uh, yesterday. Um, uh, you know, we talked about it in, in our broadcast. We highlighted it, highlighted some of the things as keys, Washington, not a team They're They're amongst the leaders in, um, opponents, field goal percentage, opponents, three points, percentage opponents, points per game, but they're last in creating turnovers. So basically you're looking at a team that, that, plays it pretty safe defensively they they guard you say stay in front of you they contain they contest they rebound that's how they get their stops and if you can execute your offense you're going to be okay I mean they're going to guard you but you know good offense beats good defense and I thought the Raptors had that yesterday we also talked about the fact that Washington now has five their last five losses have been by double figures so that was four in a row coming into yesterday's game. Toronto jumped on him early. Pascal was a big part of that. I saw him in a great rhythm, uh seventeen points in the second quarter and 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 now that puts Washington on their heels that never mind the seed of doubt a whole field of seeds of doubt are planted in their mind, and they they once they got down double figures, they could never get closer. so that was a good win by Toronto, but I really think the shot making. And the fact that they were able to put the ball in the basket the last couple of games, that's made, to me, the biggest difference.
0: Well, the Raptors in the uh, ball game yesterday, to your point about the shot making, shoot 45% from the floor overall. Siakam, 10 of 21, 31 points, 10 of 12 with the free throw line. Uh, off night for Fred Van Vliet, only 4 of 12, 10 points. But Scotty Barnes continues to play well. Uh, shot 50% from the floor, 11 points, 6 boards. And how about off the bench as well, the performance from Chris Boucher? He joined us on our post game show. We're going to play that for you in a couple of moments here. But 5 of 7 for Boucher, 14 points, 6 rebounds, and not just doing it on the perimeter, and he needed a game like that. And you hope, as a Raptor fan, if you're listening, you hope that that was the game that sparks Boucher because there's no denying, Jonesy, he has had... An up-and-down season and more downs than ups, at least in terms of production and role and trying to compare to what he did last year. And you're just hoping that this maybe is the the game that sort of helps him break out and and sort of open his eyes, as he said to us last night, about some of the other ways that he can impact the game, even on nights perhaps that he's not scoring as much.
1: Well, you can't put the focus on scoring uh, because that kind of comes and goes. And Chris, you know, and, and he talked to us about it. He is an energy guy. Playing hard. There was one play that I just loved yesterday. Um, Delano Banton handling the ball. They had the floor spread with shooters. Uh, I know Mihailik was on the floor, but they 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 there were threats on the floor. Uh, Trent Junior might have been there, but they ran a screen and roll going towards the far side, um, and and it was wide open. Nobody wanted to help. Uh, the guy defending Boucher and Banton's man went ended up with him i don't know if they got their signs crossed or what but chris ended up rolling right down the middle of the lane for an easy one he's getting put back dunks he's he's concentrating on scoring inside and and playing inside the arc and not just kind of hanging around trying to be the stretch four that you know is so prevalent in this league right now do the other stuff and and you know you look at you look at his numbers uh he had six he had six free throw attempts yesterday and other than pascal's 12 nobody else uh in the game uh, on the toronto side had that many so that told me that tells you about his aggressiveness too i thought he was really good yesterday and that might be a game that catapults him and, and vaults him into uh you know a pattern of success
0: and the bench overall, solid for the Raptors last night in the victory over the Wizards. 34 points for the second unit, outscoring Washington's bench, 34-28. Watson had seven, Banton had five, Mihailuk had five as well, but again, highlighted by Chris Boucher, 14 points in 18 minutes. I mentioned that he joined us after the game. We wanted to play it for you because I thought, Chris, as per usual, and we can discuss, discuss this maybe after we hear from Chris, but he has always been... Uh, As long as I've known him, and I hadn't had a chance to talk to him before coming to the Raptors at any great length. But since joining the Raptors, uh, going back to when he was barely playing, let alone to when he was playing a a major role to, to, to where he is now, he has always been one of the more honest and just truthful people when you talk to him. He gives you a straight answer, and his emotions are always right down the middle. Here's our conversation last night post game, right here on The Fan with Chris Boucher.
1: We got the Oregon Ducks joining us here, Chris Boucher. Chris, uh, great to see you on the floor. Really productive game tonight. And the, I guess the thing that that got to me most was I looked at your approach. It was like you said, you know what? I gotta, I gotta calm down with the threes. I'm gonna do some work inside. I'm gonna make my money in another way. Yeah. Um, you know, just watching a lot of film. You know, um, I gotta change my game a little
2: bit. You know, with the team that we have, we have already got a lot of scores, but. One thing I've always been doing is I, I could score inside, I could dunk, I could roll, and um, you know, I just kind of find my roof, so kind of find with my groove, and um, play hard. Honestly, I came here with a lot of energy, and then my, my focus was uh, how can I help the team, and that was going to work.
0: Chris, so far this season, I, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but probably frustrating the way things have gone, but to stick with it, to, to keep your head down, to talk about all the things that you just discussed in terms of just your approach mentally, let alone physically on the floor. How key has that been just to kind of keep the mind right so that you can go out there and get it done
2: Uh, i've been too worse to be honest with you like i said life is good right now
0: i'm blessed i'm healthy
2: you know my family's good i've been too worse and that's all you gotta keep your head up you know what i'm saying on to the next game trying to get better every game and you know hopefully like i said the thing is going to go back it can't go wrong all the time
1: chris you guys as a team you kind of symbolic of that seem to be finding your groove the last couple of games Man, if you could have made a few shots against Memphis, it might have been a win, but you did it last game. You did it this game. Seems like the offense is rounding into form a little bit, too.
2: Yeah, I think everybody's starting to figure out their roles. And like I said, it's also about making sure we put people in a good position. You know, we, the starters are really good. And at the bench is just to find a way to help the team. And
0: also, like, like I said, do the right plays. Man, The game is not supposed to be that hard. Chris, just quickly, how important is this stretch right now? You're in the middle of it, but more coming with so many home games.
2: Um, we've got to use it. Like I said, we've been uh, losing at home, so it's protecting our own floor, and we got to use that. Our fans are really great. They're helping us with that. So um, if we keep coming you know, ready like this and execute the game plan, we'll be all right. Hey,
0: there is Chris Boucher after the ball game last night, the victory over the Washington Wizards, 102-90. Jonesy, let me ask you a, a question here, and I'm, I'm, I'm playing a little bit of a game with you. If we go back to two seasons ago, 2019-2020, If you remember, I know that that for most of us, almost everybody in the world, we're trying to forget the last 20-odd months and the fog that has been the world. But if you can find a way to clear through to 2019-2020, pretend like you don't know what happened last season. Were you happy with Chris Boucher and the type of player he was two seasons ago in 2019-2020 and the the path and the progression that he was on and and what he was showing on that team as a part of of a very good team that went to the second round and came within a a shot at the buzzer, basically, of maybe going back to a conference final? Were you happy with Chris Boucher then?
1: I thought he did a pretty good job, from what I remember. That was the year when everybody, you know, Kawhi Leonard left and everybody thought, okay, well, you know, we'll see how good they are. And, you know, you and I were in Utah when COVID hit. I think the Raptors had the third-best record in the league. And Mm -hmm. and, And I thought Chris was a big part of that. I, I really did, uh, you know, from what I remember. I mean, it all runs together for me right now. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I thought he did a good job. I thought he was good even last year in, in, in Tampa. He played hard. Uh, you no, know, no, no, no. I'm had... not
0: letting you talk about next year or last year. I'm not letting you talk okay. about last well, year. Here's t- why. Yeah. Here's why. Okay. I'm going to tell you why. Okay. I looked this up last night myself, and I was surprised. Now, some people might say, oh, you're just, this, is, this is just you trying to squeeze in your narrative by ignoring last year. Part of last year, to me, you have to not ignore, but put the caveat on, last year was such a bizarro year with so many injuries and so many guys out of the lineup, and I'm not saying that Chris Boucher can't go out and be a 13.5 point per game guy, a 5, or excuse me, almost 7 rebound per guy. I was looking at just his defensive numbers, not his total. An almost 7 rebound per night guy, but he was also playing 10 minutes more per game last season than what he played in 2019-2020 or what he's played thus far in 2021-2022. Point being, if you go back to two seasons ago and compare it to this year, and and anybody can look this up. Go to Basketball Reference. Go find his stats wherever you look it up and whatever else. Two seasons ago to this season. Forget last season for a second. The numbers are all but identical his field goal percentage is down fairly significantly this season because his three-point shooting is down so much but if you look strictly at his two-point field goals and wipe out the threes neck and neck minutes per game neck and neck total rebounds per game neck and neck assists steals blocks even points per game neck and neck where they were two seasons ago so how much was last year, I ask you now, Jonesy, how much was last year Chris Boucher breaking out and becoming this guy that's a potential sixth man and a comeback player of the year and a most improved, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? And with due respect to him, how much was it Well, he's playing 10 minutes more per game, so of course the numbers are likely to go up. And he's got a different role because there no longer is a Serge Ibaka, and there no longer is a Marc Gasol, and the bigs have changed. And Pascal Siakam's out of the lineup a ton because of COVID and other things, whatever else. So suddenly this guy's starting more and playing more and has more of a significant role. Now he's back to being a second-unit guy, a guy that's also missing training camp, a guy that's also coming off an injury, et cetera, as well, and he's now part of a team, has a role, not a marquee role like he did last year, and his numbers are pretty much what they were, as I say, two seasons ago.
1: Yeah. uh, uh, Interesting. It it is. Um, I I think people are looking at, uh, when you look at Chris, you look at the potential and you look at where he came from. You know, a little stint with Golden State. MVP in the G League kind of came out of nowhere and you're waiting for this giant breakout and you're seeing parts of it and realizing that uh, or hypothesizing that maybe if he gets more time this thing will break out and to that same end maybe Chris is putting a little bit of pressure on himself like okay I'm getting time now like let's go this is the time to do it and Rather than letting the game come to him a little bit, he starts he starts pressing, starts forcing a little, starts squeezing the ball, starts trying to do a little bit too much and and it doesn't work. I thought his approach yesterday was great, and I think that should be his approach going forward. Uh, do the hustle stuff, let the game come to you. And I thought he was hunting threes this year rather than letting rather than letting them come to him. The way he did over the last the course of the last two years that also being said he's a guy that when he gets in the game stuff happens like right away and his first touch he might fire a three and it's okay if it's found him within the flow of the offense or it's a good shot uh, at that point in the game
0: i loved what he said to us in in the interview as well where he said i've been through worse and i mean here's a guy remember He was homeless at one point. He didn't find the game until damn near 20 years old. So he has been through a lot of stuff in his life. So going through some ups and downs in terms of stats and numbers and basketball, that's secondary. And I I, I truly believe the type of person that he is, the character that he has, he will find a way to get through it. And certainly last night seemed to be a a solid sign that he is getting through it. Let's hear more from Boucher. A quick comment uh, about uh, just, again, the improvement, getting better over the last little while.
2: The energy that I'm playing with is a little different. I think um, that's the one thing that was kind of holding me back. I make mistakes, but usually I make it full speed and like with effort. So I think that also also helped me. But also next action, kind of moving the ball. I wasn't really looking until shooting the ball, and that really helps me out. I think I'm, you know, I'm a really great roller, and usually I finish inside. And also I went just went back to what it is. And like I said, I watch a lot of film. A lot of people are you know upset of my play, which I understand, but. I do a lot of mental work and just trying to figure out what it is. And like I said, um, eventually you find it and eventually you know what you got to do. And that's what's going on right now. I'm just realizing what role I am and take what I get and do the best out of it.
0: Again, Chris Boucher after Sunday night's victory over the Washington Wizards. We're going to hear from Pascal Siakam in a second, but Lance Kennedy back at uh, the station. I want to go ahead and jump ahead to Nick Nurse because Nurse Jonesy touched on something you were discussing earlier, the defense of this team uh, playing well of late, and you have said that you thought the defense has played well over the course of the season. It was more the offense coming in and simply just making shots. Here's Nick Nurse's assessment on last night, but also just the team of late in general yeah we we were really connected you know just just uh not a whole lot of mistakes and most of the shots had somebody in front of them one way or another and um and uh it's good to see i thought I thought that group that started that you know set the tone, but I also thought every single guy that came in off the bench brought the same kind of energy and even maybe a little more, which is you know that's kind of what we're hoping for it to look like but it was a good i thought all around team effort defensively.
3: I don't think we've seen a Toronto game
0: like... You know, one of the other guys that stood out there, a little shout-out to Doug Smith at the end, one of the guys that stood out uh, uh, to me, Jonesy, and we haven't really discussed him, the numbers don't necessarily jump off the page, but to Nurse's point about most of the guys or all of the guys that came in making some sort of difference... Delano Banton. He started the season really well and was catching a lot of people by surprise. I think he went through a little bit of a dip, like I'm sure he'll have again at some point over the course of a rookie season. But I thought he came in last night. His court vision is fantastic. Some of the passes that he's making and just the way that he sees and feels the game. I was really impressed by him last night.
1: I think the kid understands how to play, Eric, and that's yeah. you know that's something that um, you know give Masai, Bobby, Dan Tolzman, all the guys, all the scouts, give them give them credit. And that was the one thing that, um, you know, maybe a lot of people didn't see when the Raptors initially made the Scotty Barnes pick. It's like, well, wait a minute. They thought they could see stuff in Jalen Suggs and, you know, because they hadn't seen Scotty or, uh, you know, you, you have to respect the fact that these guys, you know, they, the scouts, they, they tail guys. I mean, people might have looked at Scotty last year at Florida state. Hey man, they were looking at him in the under 19 tournament in the worlds. They were, they, they start tracking these kids from, you know, a young age. So, you know, same thing, a guy like Banton, like they didn't just, you know, reach into a, you know, a floating box of ping pong balls and pick out one with his name on it and say, we'll take Delano Banton. They, they obviously saw something in him and, and, you know, that that's what you look for, especially when you're a team like the Raptors that, well, other than last year, are a good team and you're picking late in the draft. Look at the Spurs for years, picking guys. You know, DeJounte Murray, twenty ninth, Corey Joseph, thirtieth. Tony Parker, like I think he was twenty eight, twenty-nine, or thirty. I mean, anybody can pick Tim Duncan. I mean, you know, anybody can pick a, a guy in the top five, but can you find a guy near the bottom? And the, the Raptors see that Banton understands the game. You know, you look at him on the fast break. He had that one fast break and one Eric, you know, you and I laughed and we call it, it was, you know, the Kipling express number 45, <laughs> the 45 and, express. <laughs> and, and, and he, you know, he has a feel of when to go and he gets the ball off the glass and he's pushing it. And it's one of those things that I was always told, push the ball. Just because you see bodies back there on defense doesn't mean they're ready to play, and see what you can get. and And he's really good at that. Like I said, he was the one in the play with Boucher, the one that impressed me on on the role. He's handling the ball well. I, I, I think the Raptors really have something in some, and you know, a lot of the young guys. When you think about Barnes, Banton, uh, Achua, Trent. Uh, they, 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 they got some guys. They, they really, really do.
0: Uh, Banson last night, team high, six assists in 15 minutes off the bench. All right, back to where we started, though. The man that was the, uh, um, the go-to guy last night and, and a fine performance, 31 points in 36 minutes, 10 of 12 from the free throw line, six rebounds, three assists. Pascal Siakam, who has been playing very well of late, and when I say of late – if you look at the last eight games, averaging around 23.7 rebounds, uh, you know, shooting it well from the floor, from distance as well, uh, You know, he seems to be putting up the numbers. And, and there are some skeptics still. I don't know why he's become such a lightning rod. We talked about this in our vlog last night in our little post-game wrap-up that we've been doing. You can always check that out, folks, on our social media handles on Instagram and Twitter. We always have a little two-minute wrap-up after all home games and most road games as well. Um, but we talked about why I just don't quite get why some in the Raptor fan base and again it's some it's not all um, some seem to be still carrying a lot of angst towards Pascal and and Siakam has become what's wrong or right with the team on a daily basis and I, I don't quite understand it and you look at the last eight games the numbers are off the charts the numbers are fantastic people say oh how do you only look at the last eight games well is it fair to give the guy a few games after not having a training camp after having off-season sh- uh, shoulder surgery and trying to work his way back in all right fine if you want to play that game let's ignore these eight games let's wipe out the first little bit and then let's talk again in a month when he's now played 25 30 games and let's judge him then and if he's fallen back and taking a major dip and he's struggling all right then let's have the conversation but if you want to you know just focus on the negative of the first week or two back and then not focus on the positive of the you know couple of weeks that came afterwards and see that there actually is improvement then you're just you're foolish you're absolutely foolish to be ignoring those numbers and you're trying to to sell uh one side of the story in my humble opinion i'll let you weigh in on that in a second jonesy but first, let's hear from Pascal as he tells us who may have been the real hero in the story of his 31-point performance last night. I know you missed some shots in that first
3: half, but what did that feel like? Knowing that it felt like you could get to wherever you needed to get tonight and and, and to get your shot off, and, and for the most part, they were going in. Um, I mean, it feels good. Um, so um, yeah, because usually, well, my, my my brother he has a he has a kid, my my niece, and and usually I don't I, I don't like carrying um you know, newborns like i i I don't know i feel like they're just so fragile and it's like you know like she's like two months old and and i've been like uh put, putting off just you know picking her up because i'm like i don't know but then yeah yesterday i picked her up and and you know yeah and then and, and she peed on me <laughs> um <laughs> i don't know maybe it was that i don't know man and my brother kind of laughed about it he was like hey you're gonna play well tomorrow so i was like hey. Um, so so yeah, I, maybe it was that. Um, but no, like I, I think that just for me, like just continue to work hard, like um, understanding, you know, watching film and 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 knowing what's out there for me. And and sometimes you know you're in the flow, and 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 I think that you know the more I get my legs under, you know, I'm gonna feel a lot more like that because um, because I know that what I can do on the floor.
0: There you have it, Jonesy. He got christened, and that's why he had the the. Oh man. No, I was gonna say I, I'm gonna stay away from it. I, I, it, it just popped into my brain right now, and I don't want to say it because I don't want to get myself in trouble. Let's just say he had a great touch last night in the game. I won't say I was gonna say he just had a great touch with the 31 points last night.
1: Well, you know, they always that if you're outside and a, a bird hits you from the sky, they say go and buy a lottery ticket right away. Yeah. So <laughs> maybe, maybe the same kind of thing applies to Pascal in that sense, but. Um, I just I just liked his um, his energy yesterday, his uh, his confidence on the offensive end. You know, we were always taught back in the day when you're on the dribble, um, that last dribble before your collection that takes you into the shot. We we used to call it the slam dribble, the, the last one. Uh, Pascal, you go back and you watch. He was really using that well and he was balanced and he was shooting his shots with confidence and conviction and they were going down. And again, you know, he was, he was symbolic like Boucher of the Raptors and the way they played 31 points, 21 shots, 12 free throw attempts. He had half the team's free throw attempts and the Raptors are a team that normally shoots, 33, 34 three point shots a game. They were eight of 23 last night. They had more free throw attempts than they had three point attempts. And I think Pascal kind of led the charge in that way and was a huge part of it.
0: And, and I wanted to get your assessment, Jones, of what I was talking about before that clip as well. Just, so, you know, some in the fan base that have made Pascal the, uh, you know, the, the lightning rod, the, the man to point to in the good and bad. I mean, does that come with just simply being one of the go-to guys on the team, one of the all-stars? Because it seems like there's more angst than there is praise for this guy. And and when he does well, people don't seem to want to give him his due. But when he struggles, he's the first person that people are pointing at.
1: Yeah, it, it kind of comes with the territory and, uh, you know, people's expectations as well. Um, but to your point, and we've talked about it, no training camp, getting on a moving train where the expectations are such for this team, and he was—he's trying to figure it out. So, I mean, I don't uh, people that people that go at him that hard—they uh, I, I, don't understand. They don't understand. I mean, you—not you, that you can't hold a guy accountable for a poor game here or there, but let's put it into a little bit of perspective here, in terms of what he's had, what he's coming from, and what the expectations are. And and you know p- for people that to be constantly on him, I'm not saying don't call a guy out if he has a bad game or you know he makes some bad decisions or whatever. That's how you get better. You know don't don't take it don't take you know it's a, a phrase that I've I've heard and I've always lived by. Don't take coaching as criticism. Well, this is not coaching. This is they're they're not offering suggestions. They're just they're just they're just banging on the guy. And if you're Pascal, you work with your coaches for suggestions and take their coaching to get better. So I, I, I give it time. Uh, you know, he, he's had a – you were quoting, was it, Eric? You said the last seven, eight games mm-hmm. he's been playing well. I mean, I look at the team, same thing, and they're rounding into form. The last three games their defenses held people under 42%, 42% or under. And I, I, I know years and years ago there were stats around that number. And I have them, you know, 40 when the Raptors hold teams under 42 percent, you know, they win like 80 percent of the time. So, um, you know, I I can't see why people are blaming it on one guy. Sure, he's your main guy, but I can't see people blaming him. Uh, You've got to put everything into perspective. You win, lose as a team. Some guys do more, but it's still a team effort.
0: Well, to to quickly wrap this up then, because I was mentioning over the last eight games, Pascal Siakam, uh, 22 points per game, seven and a half rebounds, 3.3 assists on 49% shooting, 36 from distance, averaging five and a half free throws per game. In his all-star season in 2019-2020, 22.9 points per game, so 0.9 more, seven and a half rebounds, 3.5 assists, so 0.2 more, shooting 45% from the field, less than this year, shooting thirty six percent from three exact same on five point one free throws per game, so three or sorry point three less now again that's an entire season versus an eight game stretch he'll need to keep that up and continue to play this way to make that comparison truly legit and comparable, but again, I say i don't think it's fair to judge a guy when he first comes back son's training camp off surgery and say, what the holy hell's happened to Pascal Siakam, and then not give him his due when he seems to have turned it around, and you see the uptick in numbers and production across the board, and it's comparable to what you saw from him at an elite all-star level, and then just say, oh, it's not fair to look at just eight games. Well, hold on a second. You have to be balanced and fair then with your assessment. So that's why I'm saying, all right, let's at least meet in the middle and let's look at it then in 10 games from now when we've seen Siakam back in the lineup for 30-odd games when we're at the halfway point of the season. And if they've dipped again, then fine. You want to throw your darts? But otherwise, if they haven't dipped and this kid continues to produce at the level he is right now, then give him his flowers. If you don't want to give him to him now, be prepared to later on because I think he's showing solid signs. And again, I, I don't understand why he's become the guy that is such a lightning rod for controversy with the fan base. It just doesn't make sense to me. So again, some of the fan base. Yeah, um, I hear you. We're going to step aside for a moment. When we continue on Smith & Jones, though, we will hook up with our friend Bobby Marks from ESPN Front Office Insider. And uh, a key date on the NBA calendar is fast approaching, and it may mean that, uh, well, the trade winds could be blowing even more across the association. Smith & Jones right here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. And, of course, you can download our podcast wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones. Please rate and review the show as well. Back in a moment. back on smith and jones eric smith paul jones with you if you like the show subscribe to smith and jones wherever you get your podcast please rate and review the show as well as we bring into the conversation a man that has joined us many times before we always appreciate his time from espn front office insider bobby marks bobby thanks for the time today
4: hey guys good morning how are you
0: Doing Good well, Bobby. Bobby. Doing well. Hey, Bobby, I think last time we had you on, we got towards the end of the conversation, and I think you were the one that said, we haven't even talked about the Raptors yet, so I want to ask you about Toronto first <laughs> sure. before we move on to some other stuff. Um, the team's sitting right now at a couple of games below five they They've won two in a row. How much for you is this... Still a transition year for the Raptors trying to, you know, navigate their way through being a few years removed from a championship, trying to stay relevant, trying to stay in a playoff picture in that sort of expanded format? Or is this sort of a rebuild where they need to take their lumps for a couple of seasons before they truly can get themselves back into contention?
4: Yeah, I don't know about a rebuild. I mean, I think it's certainly a a little bit of a a retooling, Um, you know, certainly when you go, you know, with no Kyle there. And I, I think you're. Yeah, I think you're starting five. I think you can roll out there and I think it's certainly a, a playoff type um lineup, whether that be a um you know, I guess a play in type team. I think certainly the you know the bench is a you know a a major work in progress and I think that's probably going forward, you know, how do you address that as far as next year? But I think, you know, for the goal for them, um you know, certainly you're getting Pascal back to all star form. He's played well in the last five games, certainly yesterday against against yeah, so washington he played at a high level um so i do still i think it's it's a little bit of a retooling figuring out kind of what fits what doesn't fit uh, i thought the first half yesterday um, was probably the, the best they have played um you know it, over a, a 24 minute stretch that we've we've seen They've won a couple of games here so i yeah i don't i don't think it's a it's not it's not a detroit or orlando um because you have, you know, between you know what Scotty's been able to do and the goals to, for him to improve, certainly you know what you're going to get from Fred, you know Gary. Um, you know, we'll see what they do at the trade deadline. It'll be interesting as far as maybe you can move off some players that maybe aren't don't fit and build up your draft assets. So not a complete rebuild, but a little bit of a, a little bit of a retool here
1: bobby uh, l- let's let's talk about scotty um you know and i'm uh, eric and i are still kind of beating this drum a lot of people in- including people that are considered you know quote experts unquote in our field in in you know the draft uh were quite surprised that the raptors made the pick that they did and you know we try to tell people this isn't you don't you don't get your GM certification by watching the NCAA tournament for three or four weekends. It doesn't it doesn't quite work like that. You guys, and you've been in the front office, you're tracking kids from the time they're, you know, in the U sixteen and U seventeen worlds and, and you know, national programs. And I I look at what Scotty's been able to do between he and Evan Mobley, and I thought Scotty Barnes should have been rookie of the month, but you know, Mobley's Mobley's team is showing a little bit better. They kind of look like one, two in the draft, and not so much some of the guys that went before them, or even guys around them after.
4: Yeah, I mean, in you know, a quick, funny, uh, you know, Scotty Barnes story. The day of the draft, when we were in Brooklyn, I think I was walking like to Five Guys, and Mike Schmitz, you know, who does great work on our our draft coverage and throughout the year, walks past me and stops me. And he says. I think Toronto is going to shock the world and pick Scottie Barnes tonight because I think he's the best player who's going to be left there, and I think he's proved it. You know, certainly Jalen has struggled, and now he's injured in um, in Orlando here. And you're right, I think between him and Evan, I think they will they will probably be the two best players based on circumstances this year, certainly in major rebuilds in, in Houston, major rebuild in Detroit, and um, probably get to play with better players here. And, um, you know, I had the opportunity to work with Scotty before the draft, helping him with his, you know, draft prep and his interview process. And the um, one thing that stood out for me was, A, how nice of a kid he is, but the second thing was is that... Um, how well prepared he was coming out of um, Mount Bird and the level of competition there where he basically told me that the level of competition at Mount Bird was better than what he probably saw in some ACC games at Florida State. And the ability to adjust to coming off the bench at Florida State to start, I think he's well-suited for this game. And as I said, he's he's only going to get better. I mean, that's the goal here, if anything, from this season is that – from where he was when the season started to where we end in, in mid mid April i mean you've got they've got something special there
0: speaking with Bobby marks, Bobby, I, I was going to move on to some other subjects, but I, I found it interesting. you just brought up the fact that you worked with him in terms of you know the the, the draft process, the interview process, et cetera. Can you kind of take us inside? what that's like and, and, and what sort of advice you're offering these, these young kids and, uh, that are coming through. Because I'll tell you quickly, and I think, Jonesy, you said you had a similar uh, interaction with him the first time. Just as a, as a quick aside, Bobby, as a quick story, Nick Nurse um, in training camp every year has allowed the team broadcasters in to watch camp for a day or two just to allow us to get a, ch- a chance to, to see the team up close and personal for at least a day or two. And when I went down uh, you know, this year, I was standing on the sidelines. I would never in my life met Scotty Barnes. I was keeping my mouth shut because I'm just there as a guest. You know, it's, I'm, I'm, I know my role. I just sit in my seat. He walked over to me. Hey, how are you doing? I'm Scotty Barnes. <laughs> shook my hand. I stood up and chatted with him. like He introduced himself to me, and right away I thought, man, this kid's something special if he's got that type of personality and those type of morals as a youngster, let alone to just come over to some random dude sitting on the sideline and introduce himself. What's that like when you're chatting with him and you know young players in general and preparing them for this next step in their life and their career?
4: The only player who's ever turned the interview on me, <laughs> where he started asking me questions at the end of the interview. Hey, how's your day going? What do you, you know? How'd you get into working for ESPN? So it was kind of unique. I've, I've worked with 75 to 80 draft prospects every year, and you know, my goal is just to get them prepared for that next level. And we go through an hour and a half interview, and it's you know, questions based on their personality, and it's just to, to get them prepared when they're meeting with teams. Just because I've been there. I've sat across them, um, just to get them in a, in a comfort level. And I really didn't really need to you know, maybe just tweak a couple of things here and there, but he was well-prepared, um, you know, for his interviews as far as if it was in Toronto or some of these other cities here. So that's, that's the big goal. And I can, you know, I can figure out who's full of it and who's not, and who's scripted and who's authentic. And he is, he is really authentic.
1: Uh, Bobby, <laughs> You know, you talk about about the interview process. Um, how much weight is put into that? I, I know we're I, I, I'm dying to ask you about Portland, so just that that's just an yeah. aside. But um, how much weight is put into that? Because it's not just on the floor it, there's there's you know psychological profiles done there's there are you know interviews how does he how does he treat the cab driver how does he treat yeah. the usher oh, yeah. like th- those are those are things that tell you about people and character and you know you get again i've said this certain programs give you certain kids right you get a louisville kid he's got a high motor you get a marquette kid back in the day he's a grinder you get a carolina kid he's a skill kid now you get a Florida State kid from Leonard Hamilton, you get a culture guy. And and, yeah. and and how much do you put into the interview with that?
4: Well, especially Florida State's been able to produce some, you know, when you look at what Terrence Mann's been able to do with the Clippers, I mean, there's a little bit of a track record now coming, coming from that program. But, yeah, I mean, you hit it right in the head. I mean, when, when I was in New Jersey and Brooklyn, when we brought in draft prospects, the people I asked about that player was our intern's, and our medical people, because they're the ones who are taping their their ankles and have a, you know, there's no skin in the game, and the intern is the one who's picking them up at the at the airport there. And I think I think what happens in the interview process, the, the people who probably get the most out of it is usually the head coach, just because the coaches, you know, Nick's worried about coaching this team right now. He's not worrying about Florida State playing during the season where he gets an opportunity to sit with him and, and as well as if the assistant coach are, are part of that. And I, I put a lot of weight in it. I really do. I mean, I think the body of work is, is, you, know, you there's tape on it there. There's, you know, I think I put the interview probably more on the individual
0: workout. Speaking with Bobby Marks from ESPN Front Office Insider, right? uh, we're going we're gonna to move on here. Uh, one of your latest pieces here, Bobby, on, on ESPN, talking about December 15th being a key date in the NBA and uh, understanding that December 15th is the day that uh, free agents signed in the offseason can be moved, and that sort of you know amps things up, ramp things up for the potential of trades to come before the deadline in February. I know, Jonesy, that ties into you wanting to talk to uh, Bobby about Portland. Is Portland at the top of the list, Bobby, right now, in terms of teams that you expect to make a deal, or are we still focusing on Philly and the ongoing Ben Simmons saga?
4: Well, yeah. I mean, any time, you know, the Simmons situation hasn't been resolved, then they're probably number one. I think Portland was probably two. I think I think I put Brooklyn up there at three. I think they're going to have to figure out the Kyrie Irving situation. I think that's going to have to happen by, you know, the trade deadline here. And it doesn't look like, you know, New York's going to lift their vaccination rules, um, you know, with with uh, Portland, you know, certainly we saw what happened when Neil O'Shea, their head of basketball operations, has been dismissed. Um, now, what's next? Right? They have an interim GM and in, in Joe Cronin. How much authority does he have to move players like CJ McCollum or Yosef Nurkic, um, Robert Covington? Those two are on expiring contracts. I, you know, I did a video over on Friday and I I talked about Lillard. I, I mean, like, I'm concerned. I think Damian Lillard is still going to play at a high level. I'm concerned that the best of Damian Lillard is in the rear, rear window. I really am. I think his minutes are going to have taken a toll on him and will take a toll on him. If I was Portland, that would probably be the guy that I would be looking at as far as the most value you can get. And I know Trailblazer fans do not want to hear that. They want it to be like Golden State where he's like Curry and you can just build around. Unfortunately, you don't have young players to do that, and you don't have Clay. Um, you don't have Draymond guys like that here. So I think Portland's going to be interesting just to, based on how much authority does that current front office who's looking for a new head of basketball operation has to do. And if if they do, is it going to be CJ McCollum, you know, uh, a guy that's been mentioned And you know, Chauncey Bills, their head coach has been pretty upfront saying, you know, we have a small, you know, between uh, CJ and Dean and Norm Powell, we've got three guys under six, four, you know, that's not the style of play. Like, you know, that I'm, I'm, you know, that I want to you know do. And so they're going to be, you know, certainly, you know, the team to watch. And as you mentioned, Philly just because the Simmons situation hasn't been resolved.
1: It, it, it seems like Bobby, that's just a natural match there. Um, and uh, if they get a young guy, Portland, a big guy, a good defender, um, and and maybe Damien doesn't have to carry the team if he goes to Philly. But once the the, the main you know, the main decision makers out in terms of Neil Olshi, like you said, how much power does Joe have? How much or is that just gonna be default to the owner and and upper management and see what they wanna do and just kind of carry out their wishes?
4: Well, I mean, I, I would assume that Damian Lillard will be part of, you know, if it's not involved him in, in any trade discussions, which I probably unlikely, I think Lillard is going to have a role in this. I do. Right. I think whatever decision, if it's CJ for Simmons and whatever, I think any trade is going to, are going to be pre- presented to Damian Lillard. And I think he's going to be part of co-signing it. Um, and I think that will go right to ownership there as far as guys that – he can play with it, whether it be a Ben Simmons or uh, another player. And I think the challenge with Simmons is that certainly Lillard—I mean uh, McCollum for Simmons works—but like, what else are you willing to give up if you're Portland, um, likely probably going to be in a lottery this year? And, and you know they already have a pick going out from the, the Nance, uh, Larry Nance trade. is like, do you really want to gut it? Um, you know, for for Simmons. I think that's good. that's the big question there. Would you? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I and I think that's going to be that's the big decision. The other big decision too with Lillard. Like he's looking for 2 years 107 million next season off season in an extension. Mm-hmm. I mean that's 55 million in that last year when he's 36 years old. So I think you're you're at a you're at a point of the road here. I would do it if I thought this team was a title contender and Ben Simmons we were one piece away from Ben Simmons. I would I would seriously consider it. They're not they're, 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 you know, the infrastructure is not there. You know, they've, besides, besides Anthony Simons, there really aren't any young players on this roster where you can kind of continue to build out. And it's going to be a rotating door when we get to this off season.
1: Yeah. Uh, Bobby, it's interesting. You say that. And I reflect back to Toronto uh, when they made the d- deal with Kawhi Leonard as, well, as unpopular with the fan base as it was at the time, um, Knowing if Kawhi Leonard's healthy, that's the guy that's going to put you over the top. So it's a bit of a gamble there. But you had all the pieces in place, and, and we, I always hear this when I talk to my, you know, my front office guys. We're not ready for that deal yet. We're not yeah. ready to have him yet. And and you get a guy too early, and maybe you, you you burn his wick down a bit. And now when you're ready to win, he can't give you what you're supposed to.
4: No, it's a good point, and I don't think Portland is ready to win. You know, at a level where Golden State and Phoenix and probably put Utah up there in the Western Conference here. You know, I think Philly is. I think when you've got Embiid and Tobias Harris, and you just get that supermax to uh, Joel, I think they You know, their record doesn't say it. I think Brooklyn is. I think Milwaukee teams like that. I just don't. I just I don't see it in Portland.
0: Bobby, last one for me here, and this might be tough to answer given the fact that we're just past the the the, the quarter point of the season. But when you look at the top teams in both conferences, whether it's, you know, let's, let's say the top three, four, Brooklyn, Chicago, Milwaukee, Miami, Golden State, Phoenix, Utah, no offense, I don't want to put Memphis in there right now even though they're the number four seed in the West as of this morning. When you look at those top teams, do you see any of them making any sort of deal to try and improve well, it, upon the seasons they're having?
4: I don't see it in Golden State just because of Bob Meyer's track record. Um you know, when they were winning at a high level, they never made a trade. You know, they they really didn't. I mean the Russell trade a couple of years ago and that they were headed towards the lottery. They they don't usually shake up things I think Phoenix is in a position if they want to go out and get Thaddeus Young to do to do so, just because they've got draft picks, they've got Sarich, who hasn't played, they've got some other things to make a deal work if to add to their bench. As I mentioned with Brooklyn, Kyrie, you know, I mean, it's just a matter of you know he's an acquired taste. What is out there that can help you? Because I think although Brooklyn is. You know, sitting on the top of the Eastern Conference, I have a hard time believing they can get out, as is, unless we're going to see a different James Harden than we've seen the first. And I I know you guys saw a good James Harden, but I saw a bad James Harden the other night against Chicago, and he really struggled, and it puts a lot of uh, burdensome on on Kevin's um, shoulders. And I think Milwaukee's another team there. I think they're probably content kind of where they are because they know if if their starting five is back and they know Brooks out, they can compete to get out of the Eastern Conference.
1: Uh, bobby I, I, we didn't even get to you with the Lakers, and, and that's like a whole other a whole other soap opera drama in itself <laughs> in terms of you know Russ playing a different role with LeBron on the floor. but you know you mentioned james harden i 'll just say this because I, I know we're wrapping up here uh, when Father Time taps you on the shoulder. Yeah, the the drop off is precipitous, and I just you know we've we're kind of seeing maybe some taps on the shoulder for LeBron. I'm not saying he's washed, but he's not the same guy he was. And injuries take a little bit longer, and it just seems like James Harden can't get back into that shape that he was two, three, four years ago, and go to work the way he the way he used to. It just it is father time tapping him on the shoulder. That's all I'm wondering.
4: I I, th- I I think it is, and you know I know a lot of people was made when the, with, the, with the change of the rules and hardening and ability to get to the free throw line. I mean he's had some games where he's getting twelve to thirteen. I'm I'm just watching. And I know it was a back to back, and I'm watching him Saturday night. He just can't get to his spots. Can't beat guys off the dribble. Can't get to the lane, um, and that's that's a major major concern if you are Brooklyn, who is you know you know both those guys making you know eighty million, and you've got another guy sitting out. They'll win their share of games, but when you play the elite teams, and I don't know if Chicago is an elite team, but when you have two guys like DeRozan and Zach who can beat you one-on-one any day of the week, you're going to have a hard time doing so.
0: Bobby, we appreciate your time your insights as always. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks, Bobby. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
0: There is Bobby Marks, front office insider for ESPN, former NBA executive as well. Always appreciate his time. And Jonesy, I'll quickly say this. I've never thought of it the the, the way that, that you just kind of presented it, and it just sort of peaked in my mind. With LeBron James, are we, and when I say we, I'm talking everybody, from fans to broadcasters to media to the world, are we guilty of not allowing this guy to be human and to have a decline? Like, let's let's think back to the man that he's compared to all the time, and people want to have the conversation about the greatest of all time, Michael Jordan or LeBron James, MJ wasn't elite until the end, right? Like, I mean, he was still a hell of a player, and he still had some magical performance in a Washington Wizards uniform, but he eventually became, more often than not, a regular guy. Now, he was still a pretty damn good regular guy, but he was not the Michael Jordan from... 8, 10 years, let alone 12 years earlier in his career, right? He, father yeah. time caught up with him. And I don't, like, I don't recall people just hammering MJ the same way that LeBron seems to take it night in and night
1: out. I, I think it's, it's uh, pursuant and, and uh, proportional to the social media and the age we live in. Fair enough. Michael, Michael probably didn't get uh, as much of the I'm the greatest conversation at that time the way LeBron's getting it now. And then the other side of the coin, LeBron's taking it. And you know what? I, the guy, I, I get it. guy's played like 19 years. He's got all that time on his body. It's okay to slow down, but don't expect him to carry a team all the time.
0: If you like Smith and Jones, make sure you subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcast, please rate and review as well.